Okay, great. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for agreeing to to be part of this. I'm really excited to to have you on. Like I said, I'm really um, interested in your lifestyle, although I'm not much of a, a chef myself or <laughs> very far <laughs> from it. Um, that whole lifestyle and um, and I'm sure there are a lot of stereotypes or things that you know you pick up like looking at like the rock star chefs or like the tv chefs um that i'm really looking forward to, to kind of getting into um with you to today but um just to start off if you could just introduce yourself and um tell us a little bit about how you got into um this career path like how you started cooking and and um how you knew that was the career path for you Absolutely. Um, so first off, thank you for having me on. Um, my name is Erica Karbelnik, uh, and I am a chef. I'm currently the chef and owner of uh, my own private in-home catering company. Uh, we do customized tasting menus in your own home. It's called Carbs Catering and Private Events. Um, we specialize in custom tasting menus. We bring the restaurant to you. We do uh, full table setups from candles, linens, florals, printed menus, chef plates. Um, and we work one-on-one -on -one with you to create a fully personalized menu. So nobody ever gets the same menu. Um, we do large events, weddings, and, you know, bridal showers, that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've been in business now. This is our first year officially in business, uh, but we started this in 2021 during COVID. Um, I've been in the hospitality industry for uh, just shy of 18 years. I've been doing this since I was very little. It's all I know how to do. Um, and I am the winner of Top Chef Canada season nine, as well as Chopped Canada. Um, and there'll be another show coming out this year as well that uh, I'm on. I run Are my you business. one or you're on? <laughs> I, you can't say it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I figured, I, I figured. <laughs> um, I run my business with my husband, Josh Karbonik, who was also a finalist on Top Chef Canada. And uh, we did the whole season competing against each other and up until the finale. So that was fun. So did you didn't meet there. Did no, you? my no, husband and I, we've been together for 16 years. Um, so we're, you know, I don't want to say high school sweethearts. There was a lot in between, but uh, we met in high school and uh, we've been married for six. Okay. And how is it competing against each other? <laughs> do but, you still talk about it? <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, we love that competition between the two of us. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's our kink. It spices up the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Now that is really interesting and it's I think maybe to a certain extent it might be healthy and it's great at least one of you got to walk away you know yeah victorious. we know like I, we're gonna win either way we know how to separate church and state I guess you can say yeah. so business is business and home life is home life um we've both been in the industry for you know probably about 18 years um he started at North 44 in uh, the McEwen group. And um, I started at one at the Hazleton hotel mm -hmm. in the McEwen group start. We both started as apprentices and kind of just worked our way up. We went, we both went to Niagara college for culinary management and hospitality. And since then we've just kind of worked around Canada and traveled back and forth from here in Vancouver. Um, and I mean, we're mainly based out of Toronto. Um, just soaking up as much as we could and working for some of the best chefs in the country. Yeah, and you said you started when you were 18? 
Um, I started, I mean, I started at the age of like 14 when I worked at a movie theater and I worked at Wetz's Pretzels and I was known as the pretzel girl. Um, but professionally in a fine dining kitchen, I started uh, at the age of 18. Yeah, I was just shy of, or I was just about to turn 18. So that was kind of your training. Like there, did you do any like culinary school or just yeah, through so, kitchens? Okay. Um, after I did my apprenticeship, so I did my apprenticeship through high school. Um, I was one that I couldn't sit still and I, I really didn't love being in class. Uh, so I decided to take a co-op program. Um, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he was doing the co-op program and uh, he thought that I would really enjoy it. So I went and I spoke to my guidance counselor and she said, yeah, if you can find a placement and there's somewhere that you want to work and you can get your hours, then feel free. Let's do it. You know, you can get your apprenticeship. Um, so that's where I, I walked into one at the Hazleton hotel. And I said, I want to do my apprenticeship here. And uh, I did my apprenticeship for, I think it was so long ago. I think it was about six months, um, until they finally said, and, you know, and like, I mean, I was going to school, I was living on my own. I was also working at a nightclub at the time. Cause you know, I had bills to pay, but I, all day I was either in school or at my apprenticeship. Um, until finally they hired me and I worked there for three years and, uh, and then I went off to college, um, at Niagara. Okay. So, and at, at that point, was there, were you just following like something that, you know, you found, like you said, in high school, you didn't, you couldn't sit still and, you know, you wanted to do something, I guess, with your hands and like be more, you know, active, like not a nine to five desk job. Did you kind of just associate it with, you know, okay, well, you discover this, like, okay, I can, I can be a chef. And then did you have any like afterthoughts about it? Or were you very like set on it? Like, oh, this is exactly what I, I wanted. I've always loved cooking. Um, ever since I was a very little girl, I never thought of it as a career. It was always very much a hobby for me. Um, to be honest, growing up, I didn't even really know that like that was an option for me to go and work in a professional kitchen and become a professional chef. Um, I always, you know, I, I was the kid, I, I watched Food Network and I tried to make these fancy dinners at home. You know, I, I tried to cook breakfast for my mom and we're talking like four or five years old. Like the second I was able to stand in a kitchen and do it myself, I was doing it. Um, but it wasn't until I actually did my apprenticeship at one that I realized what a love I had for it. There's something about the rush and the thrill of a service that goes, you know, really well or really badly, um, but doing it for like 500 covers a night and just seeing the most gorgeous food go out, working under people who, you know, to this day, I am so proud to say that they were my mentors. Um, it really showed me that this is where I meant to be and this is what I meant to do in my life. And yeah, so from, so I guess from there, like, you just never looked back. Um, and you said like there were good services, bad services. What I'm really curious about is what it's like being a woman in a kitchen. Um, Cause like you, like I mentioned, I read Anthony Bourdain um, and he writes about like, you know, doing drugs and all like hardcore stuff. I don't know. I mean, we can get into like the stereotypes or, you know, the things that the stories that you hear, but if that's true in a regular kitchen, um, but what's it like being, I don't know if at the time, like you were one of the only women in the kitchen or if you like, it, it might be different, like from um, city to city, but um, can you speak to like that experience where you know, or did you, did, it, did it not feel like, oh, I'm the only one, you know, working yeah, here? Um, 
when I was uh, coming up in those kitchens, I was definitely one of the only females in the kitchen. Uh, my sous chef was a female and she's, you know, a badass chef to this day. Um, she's very well known in Toronto and, um, you know, but uh, other than her, I was one of the only females. Um, I want to say that, you know, being in a kitchen, I, I don't love that stereotype. Um, because for me in a kitchen, it doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. Uh, it matters if you can cook and that's it. You have to have a backbone. Yeah. You have to be able to handle the industry. And, you know, you this job is hard. Um, you're working 18 hours a day. You're not getting any sleep. You're running into those, um, you know, chef cliches of you go out drinking after there's lots of drugs, there's lots of alcohol involved. You're running on next to no sleep and you wake up the next day and you do it again. Um, you're getting screamed at by your chef. I mean, back then, uh, nowadays, not so much, but you know, back then you were getting screamed at by your chef. You were called names. You were, you know, told that you were incompetent. Um, and at the end of the day, it just mattered whether or not you could take it. And if you had that backbone to be able to take it, I think the stereotype comes from that, you know, a lot of women, they don't want to be spoken to like that and understandably so. Um, but coming from that culture, you know, I'm never going to say that it was okay um, because it's not okay, but it definitely makes you grow in a different way. And then when you become that chef, you can then decide how you want to take that and where you want to go with that. You know, I'm not a chef that, even though it happened to me, I'm not that chef that stands in the kitchen and will yell at you and throw things at you. Um, there's different ways of teaching and it's just all how you perceive it and how you'd like to spin it um, to make it your style. We don't have that military aspect anymore that we did back then. Um, I think women, you know, we're constantly told that we have it harder. So we constantly believe that. And then we have to prove ourselves even more. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm that type of person. Like I don't see it in a kitchen. I don't see what you look like. I just care if you can make damn good food and if you know how to work a service and you know, you can get your ass kicked during a service. <laughs> like recover from that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to bounce back. And, you know, that's what it's all about. It's all about the recovery. Listen, at the end of the day, we are all human. Um, you're allowed to have feelings. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to go home and be upset. You know, there, I have so many memories of like, just going into the walk-in and putting my head down on the floor and just crying because it was such a bad day. It happens but it's how you recover from that. And if you truly love what you do and you truly love this industry and you're willing to take it and willing to do it, then that's what matters. And you just show up the next day. Like it never happened. Every day is a new day and you keep pushing. Why, why do you think that is that like that whole, you know, military, you know, aspect of it, where, where do you think that that came from? Like why, I mean, again, this is just, an honest question. I know it's a very important job. You want to please like your diners, you have a reputation to, to maintain, but where do you think that like culture came from? Like that whole, you know, our lives are on the line. Um, organization, 
uh, 100%. It's all about the organization. You look at, you know, and again, I say this, I'm talking about back then, uh, nowadays things are very different, but I'm talking about the Michelin system. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, 20 odd years ago in the Michelin system, if you had a crack of black pepper, that was too much. The whole dish was garbage. Um, you would lose your Michelin star. Obviously, you know, up until this year, we didn't have the Michelin system in Canada. Um, but that's what stress chefs strived for. They strived for those James Beard awards. They strived for the Michelin star. They strived for three Michelin star to do that. You need discipline. You need organization. You can't go into a kitchen and have a dirty apron and sloppy towels all over the place and have your station be a mess and expect to earn that Michelin star. So that's where the military comes in is that, you know, you have a leader, you listen to your leader and you respond when spoken to. And that's yes, chef. Um, you make sure that your towel is constantly folded on your station. You have that cleanliness to it. Nobody wants to eat from a dirty kitchen, um, you know, and the chef's job is to make sure that his team is in line, but you have to be a certain person to be able to lead a team. You have to mm-hmm. lead by example. You just can't stand at a pass and scream. It doesn't work that way. You have to be able to show your team that you're in it with them. Um, but I definitely think that that that's what it, it strives from. It strives from perfection. Yeah, that makes sense. Like people just kill themselves over getting, you know, that recognition, the Michelin stars yeah. and yeah. And I mean, there are some like people who aren't really, you know, in it to, to, to get like awards, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's all great to have James. Up, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen the new movie. I actually just watched it last night. So I'm all about it and, and laughing about it um the new movie the menu oh yeah yeah i responded to your story on that did you okay <laughs> yeah i was um, like that's i i wanted to see it because um the 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 trailer looks very like mysterious mm-hmm. but it shows you like that side of the kitchen where it's like you you're saying the you know the stereotypical yeah, but yeah. the whole point of the movie and it's actually quite comical if you understand our industry if you don't understand our industry i think it's kind of just going to go over the head um it gets dark <laughs> it's it's pretty dark um but it's so true what the movie was talking about is that you know this chef works his whole life for all these accolades and these awards and his perfection in the kitchen for what for these pretentious people to sit in a restaurant and think that they are owed the world because Mm -hmm. they have all this money and you know you owe them everything because you're the chef and that is what we do for some sick reason we absolutely love it and we strive for that um approval i guess you can say i mean you know i do it like every every chef does you strive for that approval because you're proud of your work you want to be proud of your work you want to be told that it's good you want to show people that you are the best of the best um it's it's a great film i I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it. Like I have it lined up. Like that's what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, it's that, I, I like how um, and Dominique Crenn I think was actually uh, one of the consultants on that movie. And when I was told that she was a consultant, it like immediately clicked for me. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like I can completely see her style and everything that she is in this movie. It's great yeah and I mean how how do you think it compares to how chefs are typically portrayed in in movies I think it was spot on 
like you have you have to have like some sort of realism to it not just the glamorous yeah part. i don't know i think this movie was spot on it was 100 spot on it was great <laughs> okay well you heard it here first folks <laughs> yeah no i'm definitely i i i like watching i mean obviously there's like competitions tv shows where you get to see i mean when you're talking about things like hell's kitchen there is some degree of you know drama added to it mm-hmm. but you can really tell like the hard work that that goes into just producing like one dish yeah. you know like the perfection it has to be precise and yeah, like you course. see it the main the common thread like you said is you have to be organized you have to be clean yeah. it's yeah it's not like that messy artist you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean, as long as the why... food is good yeah the reason why people eat out is because they want to eat something that they can't make make yeah they want to eat something that is new for them or even you know familiar but just done really well like i'm not going to go out to a restaurant even if i wasn't a chef i'm not going to go out to a restaurant and go get what i can make at home they want to feel special when they're eating something so it's that they want to feel the love and love is so important when you cook so important so i think with kitchens like what you know, in the menu, um, he talks about it and he says, all our dishes are made with love, but you can tell that they're not really. Um, because once you get too pretentious about it, you do take away the love and you do take away the fun and that's not okay. Um, I'm very free with my food. Like I, I don't believe that there's boundaries in cooking. So where did you, like, cause you said you run your own like catering, um, mm-hmm. business with your husband. What, at what point did you say, okay, well, you know, enough of, you know, working in a kitchen of the pressure, um, I'm going to start my own thing. Yeah. After, um, after Top Chef Canada, um, I mean, it definitely opened a lot of doors for me, uh, and for my husband and, um, we got pregnant shortly after we had filmed and he, it was during COVID. So, uh, my work was still closed. Um, my work remained closed for all of COVID. And I think that was a big realization that anything can happen in our industry and we're really not safe. Um, and we need to find a way to provide for ourselves because obviously working for somebody else and working for these big companies is not it. And I was actually about to buy a restaurant two weeks before COVID hit. Um, mm-hmm. which yeah, I had the papers in hand. I'm very happy. I didn't, I would have been very, very deep trouble. Um, something in my gut was just telling me not to do it. Um, it's very scary to know that you're not secure in this industry and you're not secure in this job. And my husband was fortunate enough to be able to go back to work. Um, but I spent eight and a half months of my pregnancy alone and not being able to see my husband because he spent 18 hours a day in a restaurant that didn't appreciate him at all. Um, and it got to the point where he said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be here. I want to be here for my wife. I want to be here for my baby. Um, while I was pregnant, we were working, we were doing, you know, small side pop-ups and we had a lot of friends who were asking us, you know, can you do a catering for us? Can you come over? Can you help us? Like, we want to go to a restaurant. We can't go to a restaurant. Um, so the idea just popped into our minds and said, you know what, let's just bring the restaurant to people. Why not? You know, um, but we don't like to stick to menus. We don't like to, you know, when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, do you have a list that I can choose from? I'm like, no, 
I don't want to give you a list. If I wanted to do a list, I'd go work in a restaurant. I'd cook somebody else's menu. You know, I, we challenge ourselves. We uh, continuously are coming up with dishes. Sometimes like our brains hurt because of how many dishes we have to come up with, Uh, especially when we have, you know, four events in one week and every single event has a different menu and you're doing eight courses for each menu. But we just said, let's go for it. Let's take a chance on us. We started doing it for the first year, um, kind of under the table and, you know, just testing the waters, seeing how it was going. We got to the point where it really blew up and it was doing great. And I said, you know what, let's make this a legitimate business. This is our focus. This is what we're doing. Uh, And May of this year, we decided to, you know, take it to the government. We fully um, got the HST number, got the name, got, you know, uniforms and got our staffing. And we're like, all right, we're we're going full throttle now. Yeah, congrats. It's a big, big deal. Yeah. Um, so do you think like, I mean, I know a lot of people had these kind of aha moments, especially when it came to like their careers where things were going, like you said, you don't want to depend on someone because, you know, it could be gone in an instant. Um, do you think you were headed down that road anyway? Like if COVID didn't happen, if, you know, the baby came later, do you think you would still head towards that, that path? Um, I think COVID gave us the opportunity to find it. I definitely think that if COVID didn't happen, we would both still be working for the big man up top um, in, in big corporations. It's what we were doing. It's what we know. Uh, we both have just always worked for big companies in Toronto, big hotels, big chefs, big names. Um, we wanted to create that name for ourselves. We wanted to do something for us. I wanted to do something to leave for my daughter. Um, yeah, I think it, having that downtime, you know, I look at COVID as a blessing and a curse. Obviously it was, it's absolutely horrible. Um, everything that went on, but for a lot of people, it did a lot of wonders because it really helped people find themselves. It gave them the time to be able to do stuff. If COVID didn't happen, I never would have been able to go on to Top Chef Canada. Um, you know, if I went on to Top Chef Canada, I would have had to quit my job. Uh, they wouldn't have allowed me to take six mm-hmm. weeks off to go to a competition show. That just doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Um, so the only reason I was able to do it and my, and my husband as well was because everything was closed. So we had the time to do it. So we took a chance on ourselves. Uh, instead of waiting around for something to happen, we made it happen. And actually uh, mentioning like your job, not letting you, you know, go to a, a competition, like had they not been closed, that's actually an interesting point. Cause you're putting a lot on the line to go on to that into that competition because uh-huh. a lot of people like who are chefs like do um, like more professional level. We're not talking about like home cooks. They I mean, even home cooks would leave their jobs. But like if you're a chef and you go on live television and you demonstrate poor, like you choke under the pressure and you don't cook as well, that could reflect poorly on like your current employer. And was that ever, do you see like a lot of pressure in that, in that sense, like when you were, you know, with your competitors? hundred percent. I think everybody is there to prove that they're in a position that they're in because they're good. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody has their own talent. Everybody has their own skill set. You know, even somebody that goes home first, like the fact that you made it onto the show, the fact that you had the balls to be even able to apply, you've got guts, like kudos to every single person, even the people that didn't make it on. The fact that you had the courage to just send in that application 
it takes a lot. Um, I know that firsthand. I never wanted to send in my application. <laughs> um, so what pushed it. you to do it? My husband. Just because, oh, okay. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. And yeah. you're like, well, I have the opportunity now. I'm yeah. not going to I, work. I, I didn't think I was going to get on. I definitely didn't think they were going to take both of us. Um, and same thing with chopped. I didn't think I was going to get on chopped. And then the next thing, you know, I'm like in a car on the way there and I'm like, what is happening? I'm going on the show. I've watched the show for 17 years and all of a sudden I'm going to be in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. That must um, like, how, how did it feel like when you, you know, when the cameras are on you? Terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, I mean, if you're not used to being filmed, you've got cameras, you've got lights in your face. Um, I mean, you've got Eden standing there glowing under all the lights. You've mm -hmm. got Mark with his very serious face and Mijun, who you can never tell what she's thinking. She just stares into your soul. Um, it's, it's intimidating. It's scary. You have all these chefs around you that, you know, especially in the first initial meeting, you're like looking around the room, trying to size up your competition. You have no idea what these people can produce absolutely none um everybody's there for a reason everybody got chosen for a reason they all have their own talents uh you have no idea what's going to happen and obviously you don't want to be the one that's going to go home first or second or third you know you want to be able to prove yourself and um show what you can do so every single challenge is just absolutely gut-wrenching yeah yeah and Plus it's on TV. It's yeah, like, plus it's on someone's TV. Someone's going to see got, this. like a whole nation watching you, um, you know, and with social media nowadays, there's nowhere to hide. So yeah, it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> um, but very yeah, fun. And, Amazing experience. Very fun. Yeah. I, I mean, now that looking back at it, I'm sure you're like, oh, I don't know what I was afraid of. <laughs> oh no, I still know what I was afraid of. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, again, like from a professional standpoint too, it's not just like, you know, people who like home cooks going on and, you know, trying to, to win a competition. It's like, no, no, no this is my career that's on the mm -hmm. line here. Yeah. So just to kind of steer the conversation um, towards like, like more of like career goals, if you didn't become a chef, is there anything else like that you enjoy about the profession that you could have found like in a, in a different career path? Like if you didn't become a chef, is there something else that, that you would have um, seen yourself doing? Um, yeah. I mean, I had, I, I, every kid has a million ideas of what they want to be. So I, when I was little, you know, bounced everywhere from veterinarian to crime scene investigator. Um, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to be a wedding planner or an event planner. Um, and I think that's what's so special about what I do now is that I was able to tie in that love into my company uh, because we do full scale event planning. So, um, you know, we're a one stop shop. You don't have to go and call a rental company for furniture and plates and, you know, microphones and DJs and bartenders. You literally just talk to us. We're the caterers, we're the event planners, we're everything because that's what I originally um, knew how to do and what I wanted to do. Um, and so tying those two loves together just made it complete. And that's what our company does. And are there any, so I know like going from a, a really intense, like professional kitchen to, you know, running your own catering business, are there any assumptions or, you know, things like, oh, like catering, that must be easy. Like, as opposed to working in a, 
in a kitchen because I know what watching these shows whenever someone says they work for a catering company like it just seems like it's okay well it's nothing yeah and I <laughs> and I definitely can say that um you know I'm guilty of that as well uh when I used to work in high-end kitchens and uh somebody would come on and say I'm a private chef and you're like okay um no, it's just as hard. It's just as demanding. Um, you know, I just got a job offer two days ago for a very big paycheck. Um, and what this client wanted was just absolutely absurd. And you'd still be there 17 hours a day and there are restrictions and, you know, they wanted you to mill their own flour and go milk your own cows. And you're still doing the backbreaking work. It's still hard. You're, and you're doing it alone. Um, you don't have a brigade or a team behind you. So some may say that it might be even a little bit harder sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> your you own cow. <laughs> you have prepared for absolutely anything when you're doing catering. Um, you know, when you're off site from your kitchen, you don't have certain things and anything can happen. You have to be prepared for mm -hmm. anything, everything. Um, so it's quick thinking. It's, you know, getting on your feet. Maybe you're not doing uh, a service for, you know, 200 people a night and you're not moving as quick. Um, but it still takes a hell of a lot to do what we do. And are there any like other assumptions like from, I mean, just being like a, a chef in general, not just like a caterer that you constantly are like, well, no, it's, that's not true. <laughs> um, no, I think pretty, people pretty much know how to define chefs. <laughs> like, I think maybe one of them is like, I, I forget who's, maybe it was like David Chang. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of chefs don't cook for themselves anymore. Like a lot of chefs who work in professional kitchens, they'll say like, oh yeah, when I go home, I don't want to eat. <laughs> like, I don't want to cook like or anything. Yeah. Take it. Take it's our best friend. We've just finished cooking for, you know, 200 people and slaving away for a week in the kitchen, trying to prepare this event. The last thing I want to do is cook for myself. <laughs> okay. So then you're like, who am I to, you know, not reinforce these stereotypes? <laughs> Like, absolutely. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? My husband will be the first one to tell you Taco Bell is his best friend. Yeah, I mean, again, like, I'm, it, it makes sense. Like, like you said, you're just cooking all these meals. And I mean, I'm sure obviously you're tasting them too. So I'm, mm -hmm. it's not a full meal, but I would uh, assume that you wouldn't be very hungry after, you know, tasting, perfecting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times even when we're cooking dinner like you're just tasting so much that by the end of it you're just like I don't want to eat anymore <laughs> um no definitely after a service uh you're hungry but um we generally feed that hunger with beer <laughs> oh okay other ways yeah <laughs> yeah and you also have like a big like social media component to your business too so mm -hmm. how do you how do you balance those two like doing the actual like catering jobs and event planning, mm -hmm. but then also you have to like advertise and, you know, post stuff on, on Instagram, make it look nice, yeah, you know, the nice absolutely. little chocolate shots. <laughs> I mean, it's sad to say, but social media runs the world nowadays. Um, if you're not on social media, then what are you doing? It's like, it didn't happen. And I absolutely hate saying that, but, um, you know, I have two different entities on social media. I have chef Erica K and I have, uh, carbs catering, you know, I'm an influencer on one and 
we're doing, um, you know, I do easy recipes that people can make at home. And then you have my fine dining aspect, which is carbs catering. Um, so it's great to be able to show, you know, once upon a time, when you went into a job interview, you actually had to have like a binder a portfolio, you brought your portfolio with you so that you could show this person, or, you know, the person that's interviewing what you do. Um, the great thing about social media is that it's there. It's, it's there, there yeah. for everybody to see. Um, you know, my business card has a QR code on it. So literally anybody that comes up, all they have to do is scan the QR code, takes them directly to our Instagram page. Boom. You can see everything that we've done. Um, it's definitely a balance. Uh, we do all our own photography as well. So uh, before every event, the night before every event, we do a run through of every single dish. Uh, we make sure that it works. We make sure that there's no changes that need to be made. And then we photograph it. And those are the, pho the photographs that you see on Carbs Catering on the, the Instagram and on our Facebook. Um, and it also, you know, people eat with their eyes. So they want to be able to see visually what you're doing, what you can do. Why are you different than, you know, the person down the street? Um, so it's very, very important to showcase what we do, um, you know, from our table setups to our plates to us actually working in the kitchen. And like you said, like you do a rundown before each dish. And that says a lot because you don't have a menu that people can pick and choose from. So yeah. every time you're making a custom menu and then every time you have to go through this process. Yes. So you perfect the dish and then you all like make it again, take pictures of it, make sure everything yeah. is okay. And then you go to your events. Yes. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> of work. And it's like multiple courses. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, sometimes we do upwards to 14 courses, uh, depends on, you know, the person and how much of a foodie they are. Our minimum is four courses. Uh, so yeah, it can get hectic, especially with the 13 month old running around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one day she'll make herself useful. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be our potato peeler. <laughs> exactly. Got to start somewhere. Um, potato peeler in charge of, you know, desserts. Yeah. Preparing your mies and everything. One, one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to ask. I just, I'm trying not to go like too, because I, everything is like so interesting to me and like your day to day must look very different. Um, especially again, being a mom, that's another full-time job on it, on its own. Mm -hmm. But like, take us through like a typical day then, like what, from when you wake up to the, you know, whatever you have planned, like, I'm sure there's like admin stuff you have to tend to and, oh, 100%. you know, setting up for the my, event, the yeah. planning my, my out your recipes. My days are long. Uh, my days start at six 30 in the morning, you know, get up, feed baby, make sure she's good. Uh, clothes, dress, nap. <laughs> um, while she's napping, if, you know, if we have the event, it's starting on prep. Um, you know, getting to the site where we're prepping, going and check out the site, getting rentals done, getting menus printed, getting florals ordered, uh, getting linens ordered, <laughs> um, you know, steaming linens, uh, talking to suppliers, ordering all the product. So um, you're in charge of doing every, like you don't, do you everything. have a team that you delegate to? And no, Josh and I do everything. We do everything ourselves. Our team is there uh, generally on site. So we do all the prep ourselves as well. Um, our team is there on site during the event, um, mainly to help plate and get the experience of being within, uh, you know, doing what we do and doing the event. Um, but other than that, no, Josh and I do everything ourselves. 
Um, and then come 7.30, once the baby goes down to bed, then I sit at my desk and that's when I have to do invoices and, you know, expenses and, and get all that done. And everybody tells me, you know, why don't you hire an accountant? I'm like, well, I mean, like small business owner here, not there yet. Yeah, the money. Gotta, you know, gotta do it myself first and then hopefully one day. Yeah, it's yeah. good to have that experience. <laughs> like at least yeah. you've done it and then you'll know 100%. like- this business is not just about being a chef it's about you know especially if you own a restaurant it's about knowing the skeleton knowing the ins and outs knowing how to do everything because that is your job yeah no that's yeah very respectable and on days when when you guys are planning like recipes like is it like a brainstorm session that you guys have or how does how does that work yeah well um i mean we'll we'll put the baby to bed and we'll look at each other. We'll be sitting on the couch and we're like, okay, we've got four menus to come up with. Um, we get outlines from our clients. So it's, you know, what is one thing you absolutely must see on the menu? Or is there something special that you'd like to see on the menu? Um, what ingredients did you like to use? You know, sometimes somebody's like, we, we had a client, this was amazing. He's like, I absolutely want caviar and I want white truffle hands down it's my birthday this is what i want and you know that's extremely luxurious um when doing something like that we're like we don't just want to give him like a plain old caviar course Mm -hmm. you know where you're getting the bellini and and that kind of stuff we want to make it fun uh so we sit and we brainstorm the outline of what the menu can be um and we kind of give ourselves like a little box and then we fill in the lines okay and is there like, because it's a very creative process. Is there like mm-hmm. an ideal time for you to do this? Or have you ever been like, okay, well, I can't think right now. I need to table this. I mean, there's been so many times that our brain hurts because we're doing so many events at once. Um, we generally give ourselves three days to come up with the menu. And at, like, at the end of three days, like we look at each other and we're like, okay, we need to get this menu. And we just sit down and we're like, what can we do? And we just, you know, kind of go through different ingredients and um, go through the dish. And like, we think about the the people that we're doing it for, because we get to talk to uh, our client, um, especially if we know them, which makes it 10 times easier. Mm-hmm. But we, um, we, we talk to them, we find out their likes, their dislikes, you know, places that they like to travel within the world, if they want to be transported somewhere through, you know, the night of dining. Um, and then we just create a dish based on them, really. And like you, you said, there's like that whole, you know, journey, you know, different yeah. cuisines, maybe. Is there a cuisine that you are particularly like well-versed in and are, are there ways that you keep up with, you know, new trends and-, and I mean, I'm, learn- I'm classically French-Italian trained. Um, my husband is classically French trained, but we've traveled so much throughout the world. Um, I have a very diverse background. I'm Moroccan, Polish, Israeli. Uh, so I bring all three of those to the table. Um, we've traveled to many places in the Caribbean and Mexico. Mexican cuisine is possibly one of my favorite cuisines. Um, I was just recently in Spain. We've been to you know Switzerland and different places in Europe. So everywhere we go, we try to um, eat as much as we can and then take back as much as we can and really just study and focus that cuisine and bring that into our cooking here. Yeah, I would imagine like everything that you eat, you're like, well, especially going on a trip, even if it's vacation, you're like, oh, this is yeah, a yeah. business trip <laughs> for yeah. me. I mean, we, we don't we don't look at it that way. We definitely try to enjoy ourselves. While yeah. We're 
Um, but things will just stay like we, you know, we compartmentalize, we put it in our brains. It's there, it's in a file folder and it's, it's there for when we get home. Every time I travel somewhere, I literally can't stop making the food for like two weeks. I come home and I'm like, I need to make all this food. And I drive my husband nuts because he's like, we just had like three weeks (laughs) of this food. And I'm like, I can't get over it. I need more. (laughs) Well, that's how you perfect it. And then you get, you know. That, yeah. that way you can incorporate it and like grow exactly. like your menu options yeah, yeah. Exactly. no that's yeah i'm that's great like it's it's great to be able to to like go somewhere taste a dish and like pick out like all the notes and and do you, do you like doing like blind taste testing oh, challenges love it. love it love it it's so challenging yeah, it shows, I mean, you, it shows you like what your palate can do and it shows you how important it is to see things and you know what food looks like and like reverse engineer kind of yeah yeah it throws you off completely but it's so much fun <laughs> I wish yeah. we had one of those challenges when I was on Top Chef <laughs> Yeah, those, I mean, I think, like, a lot of um, shows, like, on YouTube, too, like, Bon Appetit, like, they do a lot of those, um, like, reverse um, mm-hmm. engineering, and, um, yeah, having a palette, obviously, is, is crucial, and it... It's our it, most it, important it, tool. Yeah, it's what allows you to kind of steal, you know, tastes from other dishes <laughs> that you like. Yeah. And um, I think like going back to what you said about, you know, the pressure of like pleasing people. And I mean, I'm sure now getting to know your clients, um, designing a menu for them kind of alleviates some of that stress. And I mean, I'm sure that you're still kind of worried. Oh, do they like it? Do they not? Do they taste the menu before you? No, no. Um, they don't get to see anything. They get to approve the menu. So we send them off a draft and we say, this is what we're thinking. Uh, let us know whether you love it or hate it. You know, all and any feedback is welcome. Um, if you hate it, we change the whole thing. And we go back to the drawing board. And that's how our process is. Uh, sometimes it's one or two things here and there that they're like, yeah, I really love the sound of this, but can we switch it? You know, oh, I, I love this ingredient, but I, I don't like this ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, the pleasure about what we do. That's why it's so custom is like, you don't get to go to a restaurant and do that. You can't yeah. tell the restaurant, Hey, I, you know, I don't like this shellfish broth. Can you change it? Um, so that's, that's what we do. Um, we're able to just switch things. Well, typically at a restaurant, people who modify their, they're like, Oh, you know, no peas or no tomatoes on this. Like they're kind of, <laughs> not really appreciated by the chef (laughs) like it's not how I intended it (laughs) exactly you know a chef serves a dish uh the way that he they feel that it's supposed to be eaten um so once the modifications come you're like why I you know I perfected this dish the way that it was supposed to be this is how it's supposed to taste you're going to take away one flavor profile the whole dish is going to taste different but everybody has their own preference um again, that's what the pleasure of eating is, is that you should be able to eat the way that you want to eat. Um, that's why I love what I do now is because the guest gets to eat the way that they want to eat. There's no rules. Um, rules are made to be broken. And that's what we do in our company. So we break the rules. <laughs> but is there like a pet peeve that you have? Like when someone tells you like, I mean, you'll always come across, I'm sure people who come to you are probably more like, you know, foodies and, and interested in, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing different kind of cuisines or tastes, but is there like, have you ever encountered 
um, like a customer or someone like, even when you were working at a professional kitchen that you're like, I don't understand, you know, just give them chicken fingers and leave me alone. (laughs) Don't go out for a steak. If you like your steak, well done. (laughs) I mean, there, you know, some people are like really, and to be honest, there is the science to, to, you know, back you up on that. It's not necessarily good for you to have a well done steak. your own you can eat the way that you want to eat but um once you get to that shoe leather like there's just what's the point (laughs) what's the point (laughs) is but is there like one pet peeve that you have like either a demand or like something that you know you're like no this is this has to be done this way i don't care what your preference is um other than the steak that's a common one. It's a common one. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, there can be things that get aggravating, especially with working so, with so many different people and we get a lot of demands. Um, there's nothing that we haven't seen or haven't done when it comes from people. Uh, you know, things could get aggravating. We'll clench our teeth sometimes, but that there's a reason why we do what we do. Um, it's because we're there to please and we're there to fulfill those requests and whatever it is we can do it (laughs) so yeah I mean there there are things that get aggravating but I'm sure I'm gonna have some people listening to this so (laughs) yeah but yeah I mean some chefs do see it more as like this is my art on a plate and like Hmm. I'm not trying to please you I'm just doing like showcasing what I can do the flavors that represent me or like the typical cringe this is me on a plate kind yeah, of statement. I think it depends on what you're cooking for I mean you know obviously if you're cooking for a competition and you're creating a dish and um everybody has their preferences you know two out of five people might not like your dish that's their preference they're allowed that preference if you like your dish and you think it's perfect and you think it's the way that it was intended to be um then that's the way that it's intended to be I think people might confuse like there are things that you know from a technique standpoint like the temperature of like the protein that you're cooking or Mm -hmm. you know the execution like if you know your sauce is like clumpy and breaking like there are certain things that yeah that that dish is bad but yeah but from like like you said the preference point that's what makes it very hard to like to to be a judge like on a a competition Mm -hmm. or like if you're critiquing yeah I mean, Mark McEwen doesn't like spicy food. I served him spicy food the whole competition. <laughs> That's his preference. I'm not changing who I am. I'm yeah. still going to serve you spicy food. I'm Moroccan. It's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, that's the thing. Like there, if you're going to be a judge, like you have to have a pretty <laughs> You like, have to be broad, open to it. Yeah. yeah or be open to taste. Yeah. He's, he's a great sport with it. You know, he'll, he'll eat it and he'll still love it. And he'll just sit there and he'll be like, oh. You know, you got, the, you got the sweat coming off of me. <laughs> yeah, no, like that, I understand. And yeah, you always, that's the idea. Like you have to be open to trying different things. And at the end yeah. of the day, like there are some flavor combinations, you know, um, yeah. that don't work. And yeah. And there are things that like you can overcomplicate dishes or, you know, look sloppy execution, yeah. but. 100%. Um, one thing that I do kind of want to get into um is the kind of like feedback that you receive so either like I mean as you were working in like more professional kitchens and now as like a um a catering having your own catering business event planning you do play a central role like if you're doing weddings and things you Mm -hmm. do play a central role in in that 
person's life and that life event what's like the best feedback that you've received about the food that you've served the best feedback that you can get is when the table is sitting there quietly and they've all just been in like very loud conversation and all of a sudden the dish is in front of them and everybody's quiet and you just hear the clinking of the fork and then you hear the mm, mm. that's when you know that you've done a good job that for for us is like okay we did it we're like they were they were all really loud two seconds ago now they're all going then yeah because they're eating they're enjoying um we love that and like when you know i know i've when i experienced that that like kind of sparks more conversation around food you know like when you're yeah. eating but you're like oh remember when we tried this and like you yeah. keep like <laughs> yeah it's like after you finish the meal then you talk about it and you're like okay how good was that like everybody just wants to take that time to savor what they're eating because it's so good when you're talking your mouth is full you're you know mm-hmm. you're just food in here and there you're not actually taking the time to savor and to taste and so when they go quiet it's amazing you're like you're patting yourself on the back when that happens yeah and like so how how important would you say it it is for you to to make a difference in that in that person's life like whoever you're putting the dish huge I remember the food at my wedding um you know I didn't want to hire just any caterer I wanted to hire somebody special somebody that I knew that could deliver food the way that we wanted it to be delivered because other than us getting married that was the second most important part of our wedding (laughs) yeah Food. Must um, be a lot of press for, um, catering a chef's wedding, two chefs' <laughs> weddings. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's great. I mean, I still remember every single dish I had at my wedding. Um, if you make it good, you make it memorable. I got married six years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you down to the garnishes what were on my plates, and I didn't even get to eat. Um, I was busy walking around talking to guests, but you know, we did a tasting and. Um, I know what the food was because food to me is love. It's memory. um, It's memories. It's creating experiences. When you have a really good dish, you remember that dish um, and you'll remember that dish for the rest of your life. If it's not that memorable, you're not, you know, 10 years down the road, I'm going to have no idea what I ate last Tuesday. What are like the top like three dishes you've had in your life? Oh my God. That's hard on the spot um doesn't have to be top three like there could be some contenders but like off the top of your head like what are the best meals you've had oh my god off the top of my head um well restaurant in montreal Opé de cochon i love martin picard um i love foie gras uh but i love his food um i want to say he had two dishes he had a stuffed ham hock that was absolutely gorgeous and his duck in a can is phenomenal um Hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, I want to say there was a dish that actually, um, a chef friend of mine made and he made it for our, my, mine and my husband's anniversary. And it was just absolutely beautiful. It was so elegant. Uh, it was a capellini pasta done in a reduced whey sauce and it had caviar on top and it was served in a martini glass it was really old school but it was just it was just perfect um it was it it was a perfect perfect dish uh it's definitely one that has stuck with me for a very long time um 
Oh my goodness. I've eaten so many places. I can't even remember. (laughs) Um, I think another very memorable dish for me, um, was, um, and it was actually just recent when I was in Spain. Um, and it was literally just a bowl of rice. It was so simple. It was braised meat. Um, it had artichokes in it and you could taste what went behind the dish. It was so beautifully executed. I think that's one that I'm definitely going to take with me for a very, very long time. And do you think like, are you more simplistic in your, your flavor combination, like the things that you like, or are you more, you know, refined, like fine dining palette? Like what, what takes the cake Um, for you? Is it simple or? I have a mix of both. I think it depends on the day. Uh, if I'm celebrating something, I, I want to go high end. I, I, you know, people like being wined and dined and, you know, I love my fair share of, um, the white linen tablecloth service, um, on a regular basis. I'm, I'm very easygoing. I'm very, you know, I like simple food. I like mom and pop shops. Um, you know, I love just a big bowl of pasta that's done well. Um, I'm simple. Yeah, I'm simple. Like, like I said, you know, sometimes on a rare occasion, special occasions, I'm like, yeah, let's go to a fancy restaurant. Um, but that's only if I'm celebrating something other than that, I'm straightforward mom and pop shop. Can't overdo the fine dining either. You know, it has to be like, like you said, like special occasions. Yeah. It's once, it's once in a while for me for that one. Um, but that's why within like with what we cook we like to take things we don't like to scare people with food because we are a high-end catering company um we are more on the luxurious side but we still make regular everyday food um we just refine it a little bit you know it's still everyday flavors that you're used to with a little bit of refinement and elegance yeah that's a great way to put it yeah thank you elegant elevating it (laughs) elevated taking it yeah yeah i mean we love to do plays on takeout food uh we just did um coming back to taco bell uh we had a client who my husband they were talking about uh taco bell during one of the caterings and uh so for his birthday when he hired us back we're like you know what we're gonna throw him a really funny special course and we actually made a crunch wrap supreme and we wrapped it (laughs) Taco Bell wrapping. Um, but the Crunch Wrap Supreme was made with Wagyu beef and, you know, oh. like a 14 year old aged cheddar that went inside and creme fraiche and heirloom tomatoes. <laughs> so it was like the most expensive Crunch Wrap Supreme you've yeah. ever had. But you ate it and you're like, holy shit, this is really so good. Did you save like your wrapping from your takeout to wrap? No, we went, we, went to, <laughs> we went to Taco Bell and, and, and got, we we're like, we have a school project. Can we have some wrapping <laughs> <laughs> wow no, that's that's really funny like I see a lot of people trying to like recreate you know um like fast food but like make, mm-hmm. like but elevated um yeah. I think it's interesting because ultimately fast food is just taking like fine like not taking fine dining but you're dumbing down that experience just to get it out like you're taking away all yeah. like the you know yeah I mean we've done our, development know, yeah yeah we've done the classic you know Big Mac beef tartare. We did that in in uh, Edmonton last year or Calgary um, for a pop up event that we were doing. That was really fun. 
Um, you know, my moose bouche was a play on fish and chips. And you looked at it, you're like, this is not fish and chips. What the hell you <laughs> um, it's fun. Food is fun. You need to have fun when doing it. I think that that's what's comical about it. Um, what are, what would you say are, or who would you say are your biggest like influences? I mean, and it doesn't have to be limited to like the kitchen, like something that you've taken, like either from, you know, a mentor or like a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest influences, uh, Dominique Crenn, definitely one of them. Uh, she is a badass chef um, in every aspect. I love her food. Um, my mom, big influence for me, uh, my mom and my grandma. They cook a lot. They try, at least. Um, my mom, you know, her and I used to spend days in the kitchen together. Uh, she had this cute, and we still have it. Uh, my mom used to be that, you know, classic. Like my mom did everything she could for me. She was a single mom. Um, she had this Campbell's cookbook binder, uh, and that's where she got all her recipes from. And I still have it. I, I won't let her have it. It's mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, you know, regardless of what it was, like we, we did it together and, and we cooked with so much love. Um, so that for me was, it, it always just left like a lasting impression for me. Um, so definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like that positive, you know, I mean, I think food does bring people together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. typically you meet up with a friend, you go out to, you know, eat exactly. or grab a drink. Yeah. 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 Um, and my husband, huge inspiration for me. Um, he's a rock star in the kitchen. Um, he's very, very good at what he does. And he's probably the hardest working person I know. Um, you know, he had an accident, uh, many years ago in a kitchen that actually, um, took two of his fingers and I've never seen anybody not let something stop them and just get up and show how determined they were. Um, and he's, he's, badass chef like he's just a rock star in the kitchen yeah you have to push through like you were yeah. talking about earlier like it's yeah. it's not an easy job no yeah and um so like you said with your mom like is that something that you want to carry like forward like your own children 100 100 i love cooking for her she's my biggest critic mm-hmm. um i'm in the midst of uh drafting up a cookbook right now that um hopefully we'll be finished this year uh but it's completely dedicated to her so she'll have like a fancier version you know that she that you and her can have you'll have your own copies of it <laughs> like the cookbook <laughs> no one will have to steal it <laughs> how is it cooking for kids hard yeah that's right. <laughs> on the floor yeah. <laughs> you spend all day making it they're like i don't care thanks yeah. i'll take one bite now it's going on the floor it's hard <laughs> Do you have that approach where you're like, well, you know, this is what we have. You're going to eat this or, you know. No, I'm horrible. Um, you know, everybody tells me that that's what you have to do. I'm like, but she's hungry. So I'll just get up and try to make her something else that I know she'll like. And hopefully she eats it. You just hope that she'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. One day she'll realize she's like, wow, I had two <laughs> basically Michelin star chefs cooking I mean, for me been, and I never appreciated it. <laughs> she's been eating solid food since six months old. I started her. Um, I started her on purees, but only for a month. And then come seven months, I was doing baby led weaning. So it's actually um, giving them, you know, normal human food and finger foods. And I did a mix of that and purees, but 
I mean, she tried her first oyster at eight months old. Wow. Yeah. How did she like it? <laughs> she loved it actually. Wow. Um, I have a picture with her at, I think she was eight and a half or nine months old. We, we went to lobster fisherman's clubhouse or whatever for my grandmother's birthday. And she's sitting in her high chair with a piece of tenderloin in one hand and a piece of lobster in the other. <laughs> the bougiest kid I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like def- her parents are obviously chefs. They're teaching her well. <laughs> Only go for the oysters and the, and the steaks. Yeah. I mean, why not? Um, no, she loves food. She's a great eater. Um, I mean, we made tonight like homemade fish sticks for her uh, with cod and she like, she loves her fruit. Um, she eats Moroccan food. She had Persian food the other day. Like she's very well balanced in her palate. Um, and she takes well to spices. So that's great. I mean, she's part Moroccan. So <laughs> you can, I'm, I haven't, I don't know if you can see it in the background. I have a tagine in, in the background on the stovetop. <laughs> oh yeah. I can see it. Now you pointed it out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm Algerian. So like I'll we have similar, it. yeah, we have similar flavor po- profiles. I didn't want to bring yeah. it up because you were like so into like your whole backstory, but yeah, like I, no, I, I really that. like Moroccan food, Algerian, like, like I, I mean, couscous is like, you know, I used to have it once a week. Um, yeah. like it's like traditional, like we yeah. do that once like we, once we a week. Make, yeah. Yeah. Make it from scratch. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And like we steam it. I the number of times I have to tell people you don't throw it in a pot of water. No, 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 no. You have to steam it. That's good for you. That's awesome. That's one of I, my pet I peeves. Not um couscous is a staple in my household, but I, I do not make it. Um yeah, I go it, I go to my local Moroccan stores, really store and I, and I buy it. I don't have the time to do that. Oh, so I don't know how to make it. Yeah. Like my like grandmother and stuff, so, like they used to make it from scratch, but like that's I yeah, like I'm like you. I don't <laughs> far yeah. from No, that's like that. my stepmom, um my my dad's wife, she's like that. She like everything she does from scratch so every time we go to my dad's house like my husband and I just want to sit in the kitchen with her all day it's amazing to just watch her (laughs) yeah I mean it's I mean now we have like out of convenience like you can buy your own like pasta sauce like but no for them it's you have to you have to make it from scratch that's why in Morocco you only have couscous like traditionally once a week yeah 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 it's like a staple every Friday yeah we'd have (laughs) yeah that's amazing I love that um I was one more question I just want to kind of like taper off I don't want to take up too much of your time although I have like I think your your career is really fascinating um if I were talented maybe I would have explored something (laughs) anybody can cook go do it for fun who said that was it uh Julia Child no who said anyone can cook a lot of people I think it's like or maybe I'm quoting Ratatouille anyone can cook Great there movie. we go. <laughs> great, great movie. But yeah, anybody um, can cook. Yeah, um, we all have a little chef inside of us. The little chef. <laughs> See, I'm sure. Like, I was like, I should please don't bring up Ratatouille. Like, don't make a fool out Why? of yourself. Why? It's one of the best movies out there. I, it's a great movie. It's it like it's very inspiring. <laughs> um, I was gonna say it. It seems like it's very important for you, and this is more like it's not just like a chef thing. I feel like from like a cultural, like a certain cultural background, you feel like you, it's more important to cook for someone else. Like you don't really care about like as much as, you know, what you're putting into your mouth as much as 
what like even your for your your child she doesn't understand complex like flavor profiles but it matters so much like what how they perceive your food and that they're being you know taken care of yeah I completely agree with that um when I cook for somebody I'm showing them my true colors and I'm showing them my love Mm -hmm. um if I cook for you, you know, I love you. (laughs) Um, And that's what it's about at the end of the day is that I want you to feel that when you're eating my food. Um, I want you to feel the heart and soul that went behind it. And I want you to know that I made it with joy and I made it with love. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's a lot of work too, just to produce one dish. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of love. (laughs) But I mean, when, again, when you love what you do, um, you know, that saying, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. Um, so cliche, but it's so true. I mean, I'm exhausted sometimes, you know, but I never want to stop doing what I'm doing, especially now. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, think like when starting your business and, you know, you're just, you're just started, you're starting mm-hmm. off. Just starting now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to come very excited for everybody to see what's coming in 2023 we've got a lot of big things happening yeah i'm I'm excited as well um just to end off again i know busy lady you have to wake up at 6 a.m tomorrow (laughs) um what's something that maybe you would have done a little bit differently um like throughout your your career and is there any like advice you would like to offer um like a young woman becoming a chef like either you know working in a professional kitchen or trying to branch off on their own I think I would have slowed down a little bit more I think I would have slowed down and enjoyed life a little bit more um not taking things so seriously I guess mm-hmm. uh but I mean I did and it got me here today um advice for people coming up in the kitchen I think is you know like I stated earlier um love what you do, head down, listen, cook your ass off, cook your heart out, experiment. If you fail, give yourself room to grieve or to, you know, figure it out. Give yourself a moment, but pick yourself right back up and get your ass back to work. Plain and simple. Don't give up. Just keep doing it. If you love this and this is what you want, It's not always going to be easy days. So you have to be able to persevere through those really, really hard days. And there are going to be really hard days. This industry is not easy at all. Um, But you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to have feelings. You're allowed to have emotion. Wipe those tears away. Buck up. Do it all over again. Wow, that was intense. I'm like starting to tear up right now. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> it's like you're speaking to my soul. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, that was really great. I wish we could, you know, talk for, for a lot longer. Um, but yeah, that was, that was amazing. It was a nice little view inside your mind and your, in your life, your career. Um, and I'm really excited to see what else um, you produce and, and what you and your husband come up to, you know, with your, with your company. Um but yeah, thank you so much for for giving me the time <laughs> to pick yeah. your brain <laughs> thank and you indulge for me in my fun. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. 
Okay, I'm just gonna stop uh, the recording.